Have you ever questioned God's love for you? Have you ever doubted his goodness, his kindness to you? Another Christian man has said, once when one of my children was going through a series of difficult experiences, I said, God, I wouldn't treat my child the way you are treating her. Meaning, what are you doing? He also said, I repented of my brash words. Most of us are tempted from time to time to question God's love for us. This morning, we are going to look at some truths about God to store up in our hearts to use, if you will, as weapons against temptations to doubt his love. We are going to look at four truths about God that will help us to know God's love and goodness for us, his people. Again, four truths about God that will help us to know God's love and goodness for us, his people. Here is truth number one. God shows his love for us at Calvary. Take a Bible, open your Bible to 1 John chapter 4, and notice with me verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The evidence that John gives to us for God's love for us is God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God shows, God proves his love for us at Calvary. What would you say your greatest need is? What is the need of your life? Health? Financial security? To have friends? To have freedom from adversity? Your greatest need is to be right with God. Your biggest need is to have your eternal separation from God removed and to be reconciled to him. This need is so great 
that no other need can even come close to it in comparison. For this need, God sent his one and only son into the world. God gave his only begotten son so that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God giving his son for this need was an act of love for us. For God so loved that he gave his one and only son. Listen to these words, quote, If we want proof of God's love for us, then look at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Calvary is one objective, absolute, irrefutable proof of God's love for us. The Bible tells us that nothing can compare with the eternal joy of our names being written in heaven. God in love gave his son to bring that eternal joy about for his people. A man eagerly awaited the birth of his first child. And when it occurred, his son was born with an incurable birth defect, leaving him crippled for life. The father went to the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, let me be the crippled one. Let me be crippled instead of my son. Let me bear the infirmity. The Son of God bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took up our infirmities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities so that by his wounds we are healed. And he did that because of his love for us. The first truth about God for us to store up in our hearts, to use as a weapon against the temptations to doubt God's love for us is God shows his love for us at Calvary. Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Truth number two. Truth number two is God shows his love for us through adoption. I'd like you to look now at 1 John chapter 3, 
verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Through God's grace, we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we who are believers, John tells us now, have been brought into the very family of God. By God's love, he has made us his sons and daughters. He is our God, and we are his creatures, but also he is our heavenly Father, and we are his children. Listen to John's words in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I have said to you before that God could have saved us from sin, but kept us at arm's length. He could have forgiven us, but let us only be slaves. However, through Christ and because of his great love, the Father has adopted us as his children. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to testify to our spirit that we are indeed his children. It was said that in the Jewish household, slaves were not allowed to use the word father to address the head of the family. It was a word reserved only for the children. God has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to testify with our spirit that we are his children and to lead us to cry out in our hearts, Abba, Father, to God. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And listen to this. As our Heavenly Father, as incredible as it may seem, God takes great delight in us. Are you lacking people taking great delight in you? Our Heavenly Father takes great delight in each one of his children. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 in fact says, he 
rejoices over us with singing. That's delight. He rejoices over us with singing. He delights in us as a father delights in his children. Matthew Henry has said, the great God not only loves his saints, but he loves to love his saints. He not only loves you, but he loves to love you if you are a child of God. A number of years ago, probably when I was on a study leave, I attended a worship service with about 400 other people. And sitting in front of me were a mother and father and their newborn child. And oh, how they continually expressed love for their newborn child. And oh, how they continually delighted in their baby. How delighted they were with their baby. God delights in us as a parent delights in his children. That is how God is with us, only perfectly. Truth number two, God shows his love for us through bringing us into his family and rejoicing over us with singing. This afternoon, get aside, be alone, think of God delighting in you and rejoicing over you with singing. Wow, that is something to consider. Truth number three, we are loved by God in Jesus Christ. Uh, just to review, God shows his love for us at Calvary. God shows his love for us through adoption. And now we want to see in the Bible that we are loved by God in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. Please turn there. From 1 John to Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me hit those closing words again. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why does God love us? What is it that causes him to be eternally good to us? 
Is it because of something in ourselves? No. Praise God, no. The infinite, measureless love of God is poured out upon us, not because of who we are or what we are, but because we are in his Son, Jesus Christ. The love of God flows to us through or in Christ Jesus. The term in Christ is one that uh, Paul uses frequently to refer to our spiritual union with Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks of this same union in his metaphor of the vine and its branches in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Just as the branches are organically related to the vine in a life-giving union, so believers, in a spiritual sense, are united to Christ. And the Bible teaches us that because of this union, we are loved by God. God loves us in his son. We are constantly tempted, Jerry Bridges says, to look within ourselves to seek to find some reason why God should love us. We usually find within ourselves, however, reasons why we think God should not love us. The Bible is quite clear that God does not look within us for a reason to love us. He loves us because we are in Christ Jesus. As he looks at us, he sees us united to his beloved son, clothed in his righteousness, and he loves us. Not because we're lovely in ourselves, but because we are in Christ. I've told some of you this story uh, more than once in the past. Uh, a while ago, I was uh, on the campus of a university witnessing. And as I walked around, I, I, I came to a, a group of people uh, going into a, a building where there was an event. And so I went in. And shortly after I did, a person came up to me and wanted to know if I had any connections. I needed a connection with someone to be there. I told him I didn't, and I was told to please leave. As Christians, we have a connection to the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Bible says we are united to the Lord Jesus. And so point three 
about knowing God's love is God loves us in his son. And take this with you. God's love to us will never fail any more than his love for his son will ever fail. Will God ever cease, will the Father ever cease to love the Son? Will the Father ever diminish his love for the Son? Will the Father ever fail in his love for the Son? No, no, no. And the Father's love to us will never fail because we are in his Son. And the Father's love for the Son never fails. Here is my son, the father said in reference to Jesus. Here is my son whom I love. We can say that the father says about us, and here are my children in my son whom I love. Our last point today is this. We are loved by God with a sovereign love. We'll stay in Romans, and we'll look at Romans 8, verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God reigns, God rules, God has the power to carry out his will, and he is, and part of his will is that in all things he will work for our good. In all things we will experience his love. We are loved by God with a sovereign love. I've told you this in the past. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 23, verse 6. It goes, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness and love will follow me. We are loved by God with a sovereign love. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 and 11. Verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm... Or, and his mighty power rules for him. Sovereign Lord, power, mighty power. But wait a minute, what, what, does, what does that mean for us? Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. What does that mean for us? Sovereign 
love. Know God's love also through the truth that God loves us with a sovereign love. In Psalm 13, David is going through a time of great adversity. And he is struggling, I have read, with doubts. Doubts concerning God's love for him. He says in verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? What is the answer to doubting God's love for his people? What weapons can we use to overcome doubt? God shows his love for us at Calvary. God shows his love for us through adoption. We are loved by God in Jesus Christ. And we are loved by God with a sovereign love. Let's put it this way to help you to take this outline with you. What truths can we place in our minds and hearts to overcome the doubt of God's love for us? Calvary, adoption, union with Jesus, and sovereign love. May the Lord enable us to take these truths with us and to say what David went on to say in Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us not to doubt your love for your people. Help us to not only be thankful for it, but to rejoice in reference to it and to live in it, to relish it, to so enjoy it that we honor you. Thank you. Thank you for your love for your people. And thank you for making us, through Jesus Christ, your people. In his name we pray. Amen.